You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening. Welcome to Metro Vision Studios. My name is Reese Kiaina. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for taking time and uh, giving me your attention tonight. You know, we are in COVID-19 era, I believe month seven so far. And uh, I look forward to jumping right into our lesson right now and doing some announcements tonight and uh, having a great time just being together. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. We're just grateful that uh, we can be serving him, that we can we can uh, get vision tonight, get encouragement tonight, get strength tonight from the scriptures. Uh, we thank you so much for being part of an amazing fellowship that we're in and the leadership that we have with Robert and Michelle Cadillo. And uh, be with the whole church during this time. Be with the whole L.A. church as well. And uh, thank you so much that all of our friends and family can join us tonight. God, we love you. Bless our time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we dive into our lesson tonight, we've been doing a series called The One Another Way, that uh, we get to live out our Christianity through the relationships that we have. And there's nothing uh, more awesome than having solid, spiritual, uh, close and connected relationships. As we've been diving into this series about the one another way, we've been talking about three types of relationships and that for every member in our church to have three types of relationships, a mentoring relationship, peer relationship, as well as an apprentice relationship where we're, where we're the one that is, is perhaps learning from someone else. And uh, all three of these relationships are important for us growing spiritually, as well as having spiritual formation uh, of Christ take place in our life. Now, last week, we got a chance to talk about in our peer relationships, uh, this idea of caring for one another and that we're a family and that in God's church, we, we're, we have the responsibility of, of, of caring for each other, of, of looking out for one another spiritually. Uh, and we talked about eight ways in which we could connect so we can uh, experience uh, closeness and connection. We talked about eight ways that we can express care for the other person. Uh, one great peer relationship in the Bible is David and Jonathan, right? We looked at that. And in 1 Samuel 23 and verse 16, it says, And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. And, and in our peer relationships, uh, if there's anything we could focus on, it's about learning how to have strength in God. Now, I have a question for you tonight. And it's a, what's the difference between a worldly relationship and a spiritual relationship? What's the difference between a worldly friendship and a spiritual friendship? And the answer is, is that we, in a spiritual relationship, in a spiritual friendship, we have care and concern about how the other person is doing spiritually. We care and we have concern for how the other person is doing spiritually. I want you to turn to your friend, maybe at your home or where you're at work or wherever you're watching this from. If there's people around you, you know, turn to your friend and ask them, how are you doing spiritually tonight? Ask them that. How are you doing spiritually? I'll give you a second, two seconds. And then ask them, how are you really doing spiritually? 
Because our lesson tonight is this. If there's anything we can do to provide care and concern in our relationship, it's about helping one another find strength in God. Helping one another to find strength in God. That's what a spiritual relationship is all about. It's not just about providing care and concern, although that's important. But perhaps the most important thing in a spiritual relationship is how, do, how does someone help me find strength in God? How do I help someone find strength in God? And, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. How to find, help each other find strength in God. In Exodus chapter 14, in verse 29 to 31, in the message it reads, But the Israelites walked right through the middle of the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall to the right and to the left. God delivered Israel that day from the oppression of the Egyptians. This is about the, you know, the, the parting of the Red Sea. And Israel looked at the Egyptian dead washed up on the shore of the sea and realized the tremendous power that God brought against the Egyptians. The people were in reverent awe before God and trusted in God and his servant Moses. You know, what a scene this is, right? Moses had led the Israelites through the Red Sea and they saw the power of God. And when they saw the power of God, the, the Bible says that they were in reverent awe before God and trusted in God and trusted in Moses, their leader. You know, sometimes God's strength is very obvious when we see his power, right? Like when we see someone's life change, we see God working in it and we see his power and it's obvious what his strength is. But you know, often in, in other times, sometimes God's strength is not so obvious when we don't see his power. When we don't see God's power, it's easy to kind of lose trust in God and lose trust in people. Uh, a, a classic sign that uh, we don't see God in his power and, and, and it's not so obvious his strength to us is that we don't trust God and we don't trust people. That's an obvious sign. Uh, and so tonight what we're going to be talking about is how do we help each other to find strength in God? Because that's the name of the game. We want relationships that can, you know, not only provide encouragement, love and con- con- care and concern for us, but that we have relationships that can direct us to God so that we can get our needs fundamentally met by our relationship with God and get strength from God. And here are four points that we're going to talk about tonight, but I'm pretty sure I'm only going to make it to point number one tonight, uh, is that in, in our relationships, you know, we can help each other that strength comes from quietness and trust. Strength comes from quietness and trust. Strength comes from holding to the scriptures. Strength comes from people in our lives, that God gives us people so that we can gain strength. But strength also comes from being fully committed. And so I believe we're just going to talk about the first one tonight, and then we'll finish up our lesson in next week's midweek. Amen? In Isaiah chapter 30, in verse 15 through 18, the Bible reads, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one, at the threat of five. You will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. 
Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait on him. You know, one of the first ways we can help each other find strength as God is to understand that strength comes from quietness and trust. Strength comes from God's strength in our lives. We're going to get God's strength as we quiet our lives, as we slow our lives down, as we learn to be silent and we learn to be still, as we pursue silence and solitude. My question for you tonight is this. When is the last time you just got silent so that you can listen to God, so that you can hear God speak, so you can hear God whisper, so you can hear God speak loudly, perhaps? Because strength does not come from being busy at all. You know, most of you, I, I always talk about the program that I'm in because it's, it's something that, uh, that is very life-giving to me. And, and one of the things in the program... Uh, is we're, we're involved, not only are we learning things theologically, historically, uh, that informs our practice, but we also are involved in spiritual practice all throughout the two years that I'm in a program. And because spiritual practices and disciplines all slow your life down. There, there's not, spiritual practices are not designed to speed up your life. They're designed to actually slow your life down. And that's where we learn spiritual formation. That's where we learn to hear God, listen to God. Because God is always speaking to us. The Spirit is always calling us into reality, into new realities and new ways of thinking. But, but whether we can hear what God is saying and, and listen to what the Spirit is calling us to do, uh, it, it, it's an issue of whether or not, you know, we can slow our heart down. We can slow our mind down and seek silence and solitude. So one of the practices I'm doing that I've been doing since uh, August, uh, ending of August, where my, when the, my fourth semester began, is, and I shared this last weekend or midweek, is taking the first 15 minutes of my day is about just being silent, just as soon as I wake up, you know, go out, get, go out on a prayer walk around my house and uh, around my neighborhood and just be silent. I'm not even praying yet. I'm just re- z- 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 zip it, you know, and just be quiet and listen. And it is a discipline. Monastic monks for centuries have been doing this practice where, where, where they just and they can do they can do uh, they can practice silence for up to an hour, two hours, three hours in a day. It, it's profound, actually. And 15 minutes, I struggle with this every day. Just to get 15 minutes of silence to begin my day. Turn off my phone. Don't have a, don't have a notification going on. Don't check Facebook. Don't check my email. Don't check anything. Just to be silent with God. And it is a discipline. There are no spiritual disciplines and practices that speed up your life. They're all designed to slow your life down. And we learn this. I want you to think about this for a minute. Hold up your phone for a second, right? Look at your phone. You, you probably have, you, you might be watching on it right now. But your, this phone here has changed the world. But not only has it changed the world, it has produced some challenges in our world now that is very difficult to get out of. Uh, we are so busy now. For many of us, we're addicted to that phone. You know, there's an actual word now, which is a phobia, which means 
the fear, phobia is having a fear, right? And the fear of not having your phone is called nomophobia. You can look it up. Nomophobia is a recent phobia that has come about. And it is, it is the fear of not having your phone, the fear of not being connect, you know, not being connected to your phone and up to date on what's going on uh, in the world. You know, for smartphones, most of us have smartphones, right? It is, it's no longer a privilege or a luxury. In fact, it's kind of a necessity now, right, to, to, to have one of these phones. But I want you to look at it. I looked at a, a, a website called Command Tech, which is, which is a company that is all about IT and all about gathering information. And, and it, it gave me some statistics about cell phones, uh, smartphones. Over 5 billion people in the world own mobile phones now. 3 billion are smartphones. The average daily use of a person on their phone is three hours and 15 minutes of their day. Like if you're in an eight hour workday, right? Three hours and 15 minutes go toward the use of your phone. On average, Americans spend, American, if you're an American, right? On average, Americans spend around 5.4 hours a day on their phone. Millennials, like if you're born between 1980 and 2000, on average, Millennials spend about 5.7, almost six hours a day, six hours a day on their phone. Baby boomers, five hours per day, 30 minutes of texting at least. People check their phones 58 times on average a day. More than half of those times that they're checking their phones is during work hours. And this is how consumed we are at checking our phones, at looking at our phones, being a, having that phone be a part of our lives. And my question is, is our phones changing us? You know, one of the things I've noticed about Robert, because Robert's in my life, I noticed this about Doug as well, but Robert's, in, you know, he's my, one, he's my discipleship partner. Doug, I work with Doug as well as an elder in the congregation. Doug's an elder in our congregation and one of the things both of them are really good at, you know, is, is phones don't, their phones don't dominate their life. Uh, when, Rob, when I text Robert, or I email something to Robert, you know, he'll, he'll get back to me, but it's, it's not constant. It's not all throughout the day. I may text him on something, and it may take an hour, two hours to get back. And I used to think, oh, I wonder, I wonder what's happening with that, you know. And the reality is, I figured it out, is phones don't dominate their life the way it dominates my life. I'm, I'm so busy checking, you know, and all that. It, it, I realize, wow, I'm addicted to a phone. Like, like right now, I don't even know my kids' phone numbers. You know, before when I didn't have a cell phone, I memorized everything. I used to, you remember we used to have those beepers, you know, in the ministry, we would give people beepers and, and somebody would beat me and I'd get off the highway and dial in and call somebody because they, they beeped me, right? Now we have cell phones and people don't even know what a beeper is anymore, right? And, uh, you know, but I was just, I'm just consumed with, I realized I'm consumed with my phone. And is, is your phone changing you? Because here's five things that you may not know that perhaps your phone is changing you more than you realize. Is we become what we love. I can tell what people love in their life, not by what they tell me, by where they put their time. You show me somebody's schedule and I'll show you what they love. And 
we love our phones. What would, like now, if we took away, if we just like got rid of all of our phones, what would we do? Like, how would you live your life now? That's kind of, I think, where our, our phones have kind of gravitated and got us to a point, and now we're so dependent on it that it's almost, it, it, we would almost lose our mind, right, if we don't have our phones. But one of the great things about it is that, you know, we become what we love. Is your phone changing you? We ignore, we are ignoring our fine finiteness, meaning there's only so much you can do. You know, you have, there's only so much time in a day. There's, there's only so much you can do in your life. But this phone right here gives you the ability to be everywhere now, the ability to get information constantly from all over the world. You know, it's changed business. It's changed the way we do church. Even now, we can be all over the world now by just looking in a camera. Everyone has a phone and people from all over the world can be checking into our services. But we're ignoring our own finiteness. We're not made this way. We're not made to be checking in everything and our minds being so, so uh, full of information now that we can't even slow our mind down. And that's one of the difficulties I have in my life is just slowing my mind down so I can have a good night's sleep. You know, number three, we're multitasking when we should be unitasking. You know, so much of us, so many of us can multitask now, right? But before, you know, a lot of us were just good at a, a few things. Now, many of us are trying to be good at everything. You know, we try to go to every appointment that's going on in the church or try to go to this or that or that meeting and, and do the soccer thing, the sports and we're just everything where our lives are so chaotic. Uh, we're losing number four. We're losing interest in the gathered church is now you can, you know, you can just kind of log in now rather than actually have to talk and be part of a community. Uh, and that's where kind of where, that, that's the danger of, of what the, the time we're living in right now. We also go careless with our words, you know. Now you can just type it in, boom, send it, and never talk to anybody. Never probably see that person ever again. Uh, and you, you can see the how people use their words on in social media, right? You can see like, wow, I can't. Does it have to be that vicious? Well, it's because we're lacking contact with one another and just kind of giving in and giving in to perhaps vent our, you know, our anger or frustrations are all coming out in our words that we share. And we sometimes get careless with it. Uh, but is it changing you? Look at this scripture that in the Thessalonica church, they struggled with this as well, with being frantic, being busy. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 10 to 12 in the New Living Translation, it says, Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Make it your goal. Or in, other, another in the NIV translation, it says ambition. Make it your ambition. Why would he have to tell people to make it your goal or your ambition to live a quiet life? It's because the church was so busy running around doing things. They were so busy. And, and there's a lot of good things that we can be doing. But if it takes the place of just being able to slow down and focus on God for a second in our lives or a couple minutes in our lives, what's the use? Make it your goal or ambition to live a quiet life. Minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect you the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Like when, when, when people in the world look at Christians lives, do they want it? Are they going, man, you have such an attractive life. You, you're so at peace. I, I'm like, make it lead a quiet life. I don't know. I don't know what that is, guys. I, 
my life has not been quiet in my Christianity many times in my life. And, you know, I'm learning now just to slow down, just to kind of pay attention. And, and really, that's the only thing I want to talk about in our first point tonight is, is slowing down, taking time to, to attend to our relationship with God and, and attend to his words. In Isaiah chapter 30, in the New Living Bible, it says, and here's one of the reasons why we slow down. O my people in Jerusalem, you shall weep no more, for he will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. He will answer you. Though he give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet he will be with you to teach you. With your own eyes, you will see your teacher. And if you leave God's paths and go astray, you will hear a voice behind you say, no, this is the way walk here. It's important to be silent because God and his spirit will be talking to you. And, and the spirit will say, this is the way. Walk in it. Walk here. And we have so many examples of this in the Bible. You know, and I'm going to give you a few tonight, okay, to encourage you in your faith. I, I'm encouraged by this. I mean, Jesus, guys, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, in the New American Standard Bible, it says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. I mean, if G he's our example, right? If he had to get up to go to a secluded place just to be silent before his father, man, how much more do we have to do that? I mean, just think about it in your day. How often do you get away to a secluded place? And I know it's hard, you know. It's not easy to do. This is actually a discipline that requires you and I to be intentional about it. Uh, but if Jesus had to do it, perhaps we do as well. In John chapter 14, in verse 26, when that Jesus gave us a counselor, an advocate in our lives, and, and what the advocate and counselor is doing is constantly speaking to us. Look in verse John chapter 14, in verse 26, the New Living Translation says, But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have told you. So one of the things that you and I, like we get to have a counselor. Did you know that you get to have spiritual therapy in your life every day? You can have spiritual therapy. You get to see a spiritual counselor every day in your spiritual life, free of charge. All it requires you to do is slow down. You don't have to pay money for this counselor. We love professional counseling. We support professional counseling. But the counseling that you get here, the spirit, the advocate, God's representative is there is a teacher, a counselor, an advocate. And he won't only teach you a few things. He will teach you everything Jesus commanded and will remind you of all the things that Jesus has said. Isn't that awesome? Free therapy from the spirit of God. All of that it requires, though, is for us to just kind of slow down. Why do we have to slow down? Look at Moses for a minute. Now, Moses, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain 
of God. And you know what's interesting is when Moses got silent in his life, when he, when he was tending the flock and he went to the far side of the wilderness where it's just him and God and his flock alone, he had an encounter with God. And, and, and that's the point of us getting silent with God where we just slow our heart down, our mind down and spend time with God so that we can hear clearly. But what is interesting in, in, in all the examples in the Bible, you know, of spiritual men and women, they receive their calling when they're silent. <laughs> they're never receiving it, receiving it when they're living such frantic lives. But it's when they're silent before God. And Moses received this calling. And his calling was to go. I mean, what an encounter. Being alone, you know, sets you up to have a God encounter. And Moses received this calling to lead God's people out of 400 years of slavery. I mean, what a calling. In Ezekiel, check this passage out in chapter 2 in verse 1 to 3. It says, it said, son of man, stand up. I have something to say to you. The moment I heard the voice, notice, he, the moment I heard the voice, the spirit entered me and put me on my feet. Well, who told him to get up? The spirit did. As he spoke to me, I listened. He said, son of man, I'm sending you to the family of Israel, a rebellious nation if there ever was one. They and their ancestors had fomented rebellion right up to the present. They are a hard case. These people to whom I'm sending you harden in their sin. Tell them this is the message of God the Master. They are a defiant bunch. Whether or not they listen, at least they'll know that a prophet's been here. Ezekiel received his calling to be a prophet, to, to shepherd God's people, to speak to God's people. And they were going through a difficult time. But God needed a prophet. And the way he spoke to them was, was when Ezekiel got silent in his life. It's amazing what happens. This man named Peter, uh, Pete Scazzaro, he's written this book called The Emo Emotionally Healthy Church. And he talks about solitude and silence. And solitude is the practice of being absent to people and things to attend to God. Silence is the practice of quieting every inner and outer voice to attend to him. Wow. I mean, you want to get emotionally healthy? You must seek silence and solitude so that you can hear clearly. And perhaps one of the reasons why we don't do that often is because we know there's a lot in there. And that if we get silent, if we get silent and we seek solitude, we'll fall apart. Well, it's in those times that fall apart because we'll get better when we fall, we fall apart and get the help that we need from God, but also the help that we need from our friends and family. We have the counselor who's in our life that's going to remind us and teach us. But if we can be silent, we, we, we'll be able to hear. You know, Martin Luther during the Reformation, when once asked what his plans for the following day were, as he was trying to tackle the abuses of the Catholic Church and how the Popeship kind of lost its way and, and were connected, the church and state were connected to the point where they've done atrocities in the name of God to convert indigenous people. You know, when he was, this guy was the catalyst in the Reformation. And when he was asked what his plans for the day was, you know, he answered, work, work from early till late. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Martin Luther spent three hours in prayer for, before he began his day. And, you know, I want to close with this thought because one of the exercises that I've done is, is just been walking around my neighborhood, getting time to pray. And, and just in the last couple of weeks, one of the things we've been doing as a staff 
is we've been we've been working on dealing with elephants in the room, you know, sacred cows, things that perhaps have made us not close or things that have happened in our leadership that uh, that we know are there. We know we need to deal with, but we just haven't had time for, you know, we were about to do it in January and February, but then COVID hit and then we've kind of put it off till now. So for the last three weeks, Robert is, and Michelle have been leading our staff to for our staff to have reconciliation talks with people that if there's anything there that we can just kind of you know, go and be humble and to apologize and to have talks where we can go in with a spirit of, I want to reconcile. I want to be close and connected. And so for the last three weeks, we've been doing this on staff and it has been so encouraging for us to do. And, you know, one time I, I was feeling burdened and I, and I was praying, I need a breakthrough, God. Uh, and so I remember as I was going on my uh, contemplative prayer walks, I was I, I had a task of doing a reflection for one of my professors. And in this reflection, I needed to go on a prayer walk for 15 minutes and and sing, and don't talk to God yet. Just listen. Just be quiet. Zip it, Reese, and listen. And I was before I went on that prayer walk, I was saying, I need a I need a breakthrough in my life. And my professor was talking to me about. Part of the reason why many times we don't, we're, we're not noticing that God is always speaking to us because our minds are, 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 we got so much going on in our mind and we're not slowing down to pay attention and notice to perhaps what the Spirit's leadership is doing around you. Like how God in, in the New Testament will use different illustrations to show how He's working. Like through a mustard, like everyday uh, things in life, like a mustard seed, right? Or He gives different illustrations. And so I went on my prayer walk a uh, couple, uh, maybe a week or two weeks ago, and I was praying to God and, you know, I was praying for to notice, right, when I was out there. And I just was noticing on my walk. And here's two things I noticed on my walk around my neighborhood. As I was praying for breakthrough, these two images is what I saw on, on my prayer walk on the cement, is breakthrough. And my teacher was talking to me about when you're silent with God, look for the surprise. Because the Spirit is always talking. He's always leading you into new creation and new ways of thinking and doing. But, but we're not paying attention. And so on my prayer walk about breakthrough that I was praying, God, give me, give me a breakthrough. I need something. I need something to encourage my soul. This is what I noticed. And, you know, as I walked around my house, every 10 to 20 feet, I noticed all throughout my prayer walk, I noticed different weeds, plants breaking through cement on the road, on the sidewalk, in someone's, you know, in their, in their uh, driveway, just plants breaking through cement. And I walked away from that time so encouraged, and I wrote my reflection on that. Uh, I, you know how many times I've been walking on this same prayer route? What's the difference? Well, at least this time I wasn't talking. I just was silent, And I noticed some of these things and it gave me so much encouragement in my life. And so tonight, where do we get strength from? Well, the best thing you can do for someone, guys, is to direct them back to get silent with God. When somebody goes, hey, you know what? I got this big challenge in my life right now. I'd like to get your input. Uh, before you give them input, before you turn them to the Bible, perhaps one thing we can advise people on is, why don't you go get quiet with God? When's the last time you got quiet with God? Let him direct you in that. Let the spirit guide you and lead you and look for the surprise. Look for perhaps something that may be happening around you because he may be speaking to you at that moment. So let's look at our discussion questions. 
Well, what's one thing you can learn? To, what, what's, what did you learn tonight about the importance of silence and solitude? Because that's where we can gain strength. What's, what did you learn tonight about the importance of silent and soli- silence and solitude? As well as what is the Spirit calling you to be or do? What is the Spirit calling you to be or do? What did we learn tonight? The one another way. We have three types of relationships. Tonight's lesson is about helping each other find strength in God. That strength comes from quietness and trust. Strength comes from learning to be still, from learning to be silent, from learning to have solitude. Are you getting time to be still? And so I hope you have some great discussion groups. You may, you may experience your calling in, in your time of silence. You may experience great solutions to different challenges that you have in life in your time of silence and solitude. So we look forward to hearing great news about what God is doing and how God may be speaking to all of us in our time of silence. I want to close out with a few announcements. You can always connect with us on our social media platform there. I also would want to welcome again Thomas Smith. You know, last week I made a mistake. I, I, I welcome back into the fellowship, but he's new to our fellowship. Tiffany is, has come back to our fellowship and has been recently restored in the month of July. But let's welcome Thomas uh, Smith to our fellowship again. I mean, it's so awesome. You know, they, they're a great couple. Encourage them as they are in this new journey together here. Uh, this Thursday, a couple of events that we're going to close out with. The squad has an amazing event on Thursday. And this event is called Vote. And it's going to be about everything you need to know about voting. What will be covered in this one hour uh, time tomorrow night, I believe, on Thursday. You can look, take a picture of that. There's, there's key dates and deadlines that are going to be covered. Key directions such as registering, use of a pen, what to do if you need a replacement ballot, what to do if you never got a ballot. You're going to get more direction on resources to help in understanding the propositions, measures, candidates, their positions on the issues, who endorses which candidates and which measures. You know, these resources will include a guide. You're going to learn about casting your ballot as well as tracking your ballot. So if you so join the squad event tomorrow night on everything you need to know about voting. Amen. They're not going to be talking to you about who to vote for, but they're going to give you as much information as you can so we can be well versed in this before we go and vote. On uh, Saturday, this Saturday, you know, the, Greg Sewell will be hosting a Caribbean's missions meeting on Saturday. He's involved with the head of the Caribbean Mission Society, this man named Brian Santos, who's involved with the work out in the Caribbean. Take a picture of this. If you want to know what's going on with the Caribbean Mission Society and how you can give to it, and how you can participate and joining in the work that they're doing in the Caribbean, please join uh, this short devotional on Saturday, as well as next, this Sunday, October 18th, we are collecting our world missions collection. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time. You're going to see a video by the Philippines uh, on, the, uh, on this day. Robert is going to be doing a lesson, too, about the lostness of the world, and uh, we're going to be collecting up our world missions collection that we've been saving for all this year. This is where it's going to go to, the Southwest family, the Caribbean, Lebanon, Tijuana, and the Philippines. Be praying for that. On Saturday, October 24th, there is a virtual conference called Stronger. And you can go to stronger2020.live to be able to register and sign up. And at this conference, which is going to be virtual, mental health, chemical recovery, 
career professional coaching, purity, same-sex attraction, gender identity, conflict resolution, grief, grief recovery, diversity and cultural humility, shepherding. All these things are going to be talked about at this one-day conference here that it will be virtual. It will be at 7 a.m. on October 24th. So please go to stronger2020.live so that you can register there. As well as... Uh, the last Saturday of the month on Halloween, October 31st, we'll be having a costume pumpkin carving car decoration contest at the building from 5 to 7 p.m. You can talk to Christina Reese if you'd like to participate in this. It's for all of our fellowship that you can join in and just participate and have a great time uh, during Halloween. It's gonna, we've got so many things in our fellowship right now that uh, we all can participate in. And so I hope tonight you were encouraged. We got, you got a chance to just uh, look at a lesson about helping each other find strength in God. Where does strength come from? Well, one of the first ways it comes from is where we learn to get quiet and we learn to trust in God through silence and solitude. Anyway, I hope you had a great time tonight. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. Good night. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.